0: Hello and welcome to season two of Heart of the Faithful Ministries. This is your host, Ron Howard, and I am back. It has been a little bit of a hiatus over the summer. We moved and everything is good with us, but this time I have a special treat. I have brought in my daughter, Josie. We are going to talk about why I am a Christian, how I became a Christian, and some of the miracles that God has done in my life. So with that, Let's get to it. Josie, say hello. Hi. Hi. Okay, she is my guest host for the evening, and we're going to talk about what brought me to Jesus Christ. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get into why I became a Christian. Growing up, I did not have any kind of Christian background. My family was very—I don't want to say anti-Christian, but they really weren't Christian folk. You know what I'm saying? In other words, your grandmother and your grandfather, they did not have any kind of Christian background. Everything that I knew about Jesus Christ, everything that I knew about God, I learned from either baseball games, watching people hold up the sign says John 3.16. I didn't know what any of that meant. Okay? I had no idea. None. No idea whatsoever. So what I had to do was just kind of go with what I did know from what, I could see, and what I saw was horror movies, horror films, and that's where I got the idea that God was this inept, unloving, uncaring God because that's what horror films depict God as. They tend to, actually most worldly things, depict God as a a God who is hands-off, who doesn't really do anything with his creation. He doesn't want to have anything to do with us. He just doesn't. That's what they say. He has nothing. He doesn't want to have anything to do with us. He created us, and he just kind of left us to be. Now, that's what's called a deistic view, A worldview that is God made all the elements in the world, all the natural laws of the world, but he doesn't have anything to do with the world. He kind of turned his back and just went on, which is kind of weird to think about somebody who would make something and wouldn't have anything to do with it. So what? Do you think God's going to do? Turn his back on his creation or have something to do with it?
1: Have something to do with
0: it. See, but I didn't know that. Because for me, I learned everything from television. And the only time I ever went to church, I went to church with a friend of mine named Josh. Was nine years old. Sat down beside him. Everybody had a Bible. I didn't have a Bible.
1: Were you as old as him?
0: We were both nine years old. Yes. So... The youth minister, he says, could somebody please get him a Bible? And so they put a Bible in my hand, okay? Boom. Got a Bible in my hand, right? Mm -hmm. Then I'm asked, open the Bible to the book of John. Open the book of John is what they said. When you don't know that there are books in the Bible, that there are more books in the Bible.
1: How are you supposed to know what that means?
0: How are you supposed to know? Exactly. So my problem was this. I raised my hand like a good little boy. I raised my hand and the minister said, yes, what can I do for you? I said, I only have the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And he says, what what does that mean? I said, well, you said the book of John, but somebody gave me a Bible. (laughs) Oh, he was just so flustered and just like, could somebody please just show him where to be in the Bible? Just open up the book for him. And he was so frustrated, it seemed like, and it was upsetting to me because I was young and I was impressionable and I didn't know what was going on. And I was kind of embarrassed because here I am with this group of people that they're all going to this church thing and I've gone for one time, you know, and that one time I got embarrassed. So whenever they asked me if I wanted to go back, I said, no, that was the only time I went to church.
1: That's Quite sad.
0: It is, isn't it? 10 years later I am 19 now. Okay, 10 years later. I am in I'm in a band, graduating high school. I'm going through, you know, all the normal teen stuff, 19-year-old stuff, you know. You got a 19-year-old sister, you see what's going on.
1: Yeah.
0: And the problem that I had was that was the year that my parents broke up. That was the year that I graduated high school, so everything was weird. That was the year the band broke up, and that was also the year that I met your mom. And your mother and I, we dated. Went so far as to ask her to marry me, okay? So we were fiancé. She went off to college in Worcester, Massachusetts. Clark College, really good college. The thing about Worcester is it's a long way away from Atlanta. Atlanta. It is literally at the top of the map on the United States. That's far. Yeah, and I'm all the way down here. Well, she ends up meeting a guy up there, and she breaks up with me on Christmas Eve because that's when she got her break was during Christmas, and so she breaks up with me on Christmas Eve. So I am heartbroken. I am downtrodden. I'm confused. Cause I have nowhere. I I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with myself. Everything is bad. I'm depressed. I'm angry. I'm all of the things. And so, you know what? I started taking it out on
1: drugs. I thought you were going to say a person.
0: (laughs) Uh, well I took it out on a person. All right. I took it out on myself. Cause there I was doing drugs, drinking. I was coming I was going to work. Stoned and drunk. I was so depressed. I was driving in in an altered state and it was bad. It was, it, it was horrible. It was not a good thing. But I didn't care. Because I didn't care whether I lived or died. I had no purpose. I had no reason and I had no meaning for life. I didn't care. I felt like everything was going bad. If your mom and dad broke up today. Said they were getting a divorce. It'd be pretty devastating, right? Yeah. Then you throw everything else on top of it. It was very, it was just bad. And so what happened was I kept coming to work because I needed the money. But there was this guy there and he loved Jesus. And this was all God. The guy that was there, the first thing he said to me when he put his hand out, they introduced me to him. His name was Ken. And I put my hand out to shake his hand and he grabbed my hand and he said, glory. And I said, I have got to walk away from this freak. I cannot have anything to do with him. Right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's and and, and so I was promoted to the manager. So I was in charge of the schedule. So I was scheduling him away from me. I don't want to have anything to do with him. So, everything came around this guy comes in because we need the help and it just ends up to be a night to where it's me and him and I try to avoid this guy I said you go to that aisle I'll go to this aisle so I went to the one across the store he went to the one across the store and we did all the stuff that we had to do so we every night in the grocery store we had to straighten up all the shelves like you had to go through all the shelves and straighten up all the shelves so that they look nice in the morning. So when the customers came in, they saw nice, neat, pretty shelves with all the stuff pulled forward, okay? I wanted to avoid him, but I couldn't avoid him because we met in the middle. And we were over there by the baby food section, okay, of all the places, the baby food section. And what happened was we got to talking, and he just started asking me questions, and I I answered the questions because, you know, it was the nice thing to do, right? I mean, you know, I'm not going to be mean to the guy. I didn't like him, but I didn't know him, you know? I mean, what I didn't like was the fact that he was a Christian because what I've already felt about Christianity, most of that I got, again, from the movies, that God is either dead or doesn't like us, or he's just totally has no power at all and that Christians suck because that guy, you know, made me feel bad. And so I turned that into a feeling from a feeling into a, an emotional response that I formed my opinion based on that emotional response. Does that make sense. So when, We were talking, we were putting all the things together, and baby food, okay, the thing about baby food is it comes in glass jars, right? Oh, boy. Yeah. So you know what happens if you are putting a glass jar on top of another little glass jar and you sneeze or you bump another glass jar or something like that? It breaks, and it is nasty because baby food is just pureed whatever. You know what I'm saying? Beets, beets. Prunes, sometimes beets and prunes. Or peas. Or peas and, and banana. banana yeah, it, oh, it's horrible. So the smell is horrendous. The consistency is terrible. But what's worse is it's now covered in glass.
1: Oh, boy. That's not good. <laughs> not good.
0: So that's one. If, if anybody has ever worked in grocery stores, and your grandfather would know definitely because he worked for years is the pain of having to pick up that mess, the mess of baby food. So we're very careful. So that's the longest aisle to take your time on. You know what I'm saying? You have to be very meticulous to make sure that you don't drop any of that stuff, but it's got to look good at the end of the day. So what I had to do was, you know, I had to work with the guy. So we end up put all this stuff together. But he asked me a couple questions. He says, you know, Ron, I see that you're hurting. I see that there's a lot of pain going on in you. And I've heard you talk to people about the way you treat women, about the way you are using drugs, drinking, going to parties. And he said, I I just, I can't help but be reminded of of a verse in the Bible. And I thought, oh, here we go. Here we go. This is it. And so this is what the guy said. He looked at me and he said, you know, bread, when you eat bread, you know what happens when you eat bread? And I'm going to ask you, what happens when you eat bread?
1: Uh, it's gone after you're done eating it? But where does it go? In your stomach.
0: So in your stomach, you're, you felt a void in your stomach. And you felt that you needed to fill that void with something. So you ate some bread. And it filled your stomach up. And he said, Ron, that's just like all the stuff that you've been going through and all the stuff that you've been doing. It's you're filling a void in your life. And you're doing all these things that are bad to try to fill a void, to kill the pain, to do, you know, there's something that you're trying to do in your life.
1: The only thing it's doing is making it worse.
0: Well, He's actually it, it, it actually does cover up the pain a little bit. It makes you forget about it. It makes you forget that, okay, while I'm on the drugs, nothing's bad anymore. I don't have to think about anything that's bad. When you're eating all the food, you eat the food, you know, emotional eating, you're eating all that food. While you're eating the food, it's delicious. It's good. It may not be good for you, and it may not be healing your pain or anything, but for that moment that you're eating that, you're checking out, watching a, a movie or something like that, or, or, or doing something, you know, doing something that that takes your mind off of the pain that you're going through. The loneliness, the emptiness. That's what I was doing. And he pointed that out. He said, but what happens is that bread gets digested, and it goes away. And what happens then is you start to feel hungry again because that bread isn't actually enough to take away the void. It isn't actually enough to take away the pain in your life. Those things that I was doing with women, the things that I was doing with drugs, and the drinking that I was doing, It was not taking away the pain. It was only masking it. It was only covering it up. But every time I woke up the next morning, guess what was there? All that pain, anger, sorrow, regrets, anxiety, all of those things were still there. He said, but the Bible says that Jesus is the bread of life. And I thought, that's kind of weird. Jesus is the bread of life. What does that mean?
1: In a way, it does sound weird if like, you weren't a Christian and you don't know anything about the Bible and you believe this totally different thing than what it, all these Christian things are saying.
0: Exactly. And so for me, Jesus, he said, Jesus is the bread of life. But it's the second part that caught me. And if you eat of this bread, you will never hunger again. In other words, Jesus is the only bread. He's the only thing that you can have in your life that can actually fill that void, relieve you of that pain. You'll never be hungry again because you won't want those things anymore. You won't need them anymore because all they were doing is hiding the pain. But guess what? Jesus is there. He fills that God-sized hole in our life. And I was just, I mean, I was astounded. I had never heard anything like this before. This was a new kind of God. I'd never heard of this God before. And what happened was we kept talking because now He had my ear. He had my interest. And we kept talking about God and and things. And, you know, now I know about Jesus, but what about this God person? Because I didn't know they were the same.
1: So, like, did you just think that, like, God and Jesus were two different religions or something? Well, I
0: didn't think there were two different religions, but I thought there were two distinct people altogether that they didn't have, like, like, Jesus is just a dude. He's just a guy. He's not a, a deity. He's not God. He's not, he's, he's no more than just, he's as much of a man as I am. And that's what I thought. Up to then, I didn't know. I had no idea. But all I knew about God, remember, was all the stuff I learned from horror films. And the horror industry shows God as a God who is not powerful Satan is p- more powerful than he is. You know, people are more powerful than God is. All, okay, so, so I didn't know. What happened was he looked at me and he said, what, what would be the one thing that everyone could do with one another or for one another to make the world a better place? What is the one thing without money and without anything else, what is the one thing that everybody could do for one another that would make the world like heaven? What one thing could we do, give to one another or do for one another that would make the world like heaven? It would make all the bad stuff go away. Love. Well? Oh, see, that's exactly what I said. That's exactly what I said to that question. He said, yes, there would be no wars. There would be no hunger because people would feed one another. There would be no hatred. There'd be no anger. There'd be no pain because everybody would take care of one another. That's love. He said, but did you know the Bible says God is love? He said, Ron, God loves you. He loves the world. He loves everyone. He can't help it. It is his nature, not in his nature. It is his nature. God is love.
1: That'd be like odd to hear because you're believing that He just turned his back.
0: Yes, exactly. And so for me, it was a very just, it, it was so confusing, Josie. I didn't know what to think anymore. I didn't know what to do because now I had this newfound faith, this newfound religion being kind of put into me, you know, like like being given to me this this stuff, like I'm starting to believe things. Like, whoa, what if God is? What if God is? What if God is? And I remember I went With Ken, because Ken went to speak. He was a pastor, a preacher. So we went to speak at this little youth rally, okay? Well, this guy is speaking at the youth rally, and he finally says, does anybody want to be a Christian? Does anybody want to give their life to Christ? And I got up, and I raised my hand, and I said, I want, I do. And he looked at me, and Josie, he told me no. And I said, what? I said, but, but I want to be a Christian. And I heard people go, oh goodness, oh my. Because everybody was like so just, they were just like, here it is, another person wants to come to Christ. And that pastor, that guy that told me all about Jesus Christ, looked at me and told me, no. He said, I can't explain it. But. tonight's not for you. It's not for you. And so I sat back down. Here it goes again. These Christians, these Christians, once again, I I am just done with Christianity. I'm done with Christians. I'm done with Christ. I'm done with Jesus, God, whoever the heck they are. I have no idea who anybody is because why would I want to be in a religion that will not accept me? And I sat down. And I put my arms together, and I sat there, and, huh, yeah. Little did I know. He looked over the crowd again, and he said, there's somebody here who wants to accept Jesus Christ today. And he waited a second, and nobody said anything, and I thought, ha, see, I was the only one. But then all of a sudden, out of the blue, This guy said, it's me. I mean, he screamed at Josie. It's me. I want to believe. I want to be a Christian. I want to. He said, but I can't. And I looked over and Josie, he was standing there and his seat was still attached to his butt. He was holding on to his seat. He said, I want to come up there. And give my life to Christ, but I can't. I can't let go of the chair. The devil was holding him down. Satan was keeping him from going up. He was holding on to that chair. Holding it still pressed to his butt. Buttocks, rear end, high knee, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but it was it was it was a sight. Because here this guy gets to. This guy, he can't even let go of a chair.
1: Whoa, what's happening?
0: What is going on? What is happening? And I think that that was God just giving me a chance to see that, you know what? There is a devil. And he plays on the lives of people who don't know God. The devil was keeping that man from letting go of that chair to keep him from giving his life to Christ. And, the, and God let me watch that and see that because here's the thing about sin and the thing about giving our life to God is if you don't know why you're giving your life to God and you don't know what you're being saved from, how can you be saved? But sin is worse than that because you don't know that there actually is a better way. That there is a better place. That there's a better life. You don't know that when you're lost like like I was. You just don't know that. And so, that was on Saturday night. I went to work that night with them and I tried to say, you know what, I just don't want to go. I just don't want to go. I just don't want to go. But they convinced me to go with them. They didn't let me, they being he and another guy. They didn't, he didn't let me just blow it off. Because I wanted to just stay. no, no, no. I don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. So what happened was, we ended up going to that chicken place to get a biscuit and a cup of coffee before church. And Josie, for some reason, I felt compelled to tell my life story. The parents breaking up, the loss of of Alicia, my fiance. The, all of those things. I was really sad and I was pouring out my heart at that table and we, we ate a little biscuit and we left and we went up to the, to the church. We're at the church and Pastor Doug was giving a sermon. I wish I still had a copy of that sermon. I mean, it's like he read my life story in a sermon talked about being as lonely as I was as you know broken home the feeling like a failure you know all these different things that I was feeling I mean I would he he just he just hit all of those different marks
1: Put that right there was Jesus oh God
0: <laughs> well that's true you're absolutely right and he finished that sermon. And got done and said, is there anybody who wants to give their life to Christ? I raised my hand and I came forward. He said, come on forward. And I came forward to the stage. He said, come on up here. And I got up on the stage. It's like, yay high, about three foot off the ground. Okay. And I stood there at the edge of the stage. And he led me in the sinner's prayer, basically I give my life to Christ, I allow him in my heart, I repent of all my sins. That's basically it. That's all that has to be said. It's not even a saying, it's more of a doing. Because once you're saying those things, you're literally repenting from the sins that you committed and all the bad that you've done. And I mean, I could get into all the bad that I had done, but it doesn't help. I was doing bad things, like very bad things. And most of it was in the face of God. But when I gave my life to Christ that that day, Pastor Doug, he prayed over me. And I felt the Holy Spirit for the first time in my life.
1: Did did, did you know even about praying at the time?
0: I didn't know any of it, honey. Remember, I I didn't have any clue what to do, what was going on. I didn't see, I didn't watch TV. I never watched a Billy Graham special. I didn't watch any of that. So I didn't know how any of it worked. I didn't even know that this wasn't a typical thing. Like, what happened to me was not a typical salvation. But I... All I know is, is I blacked out. And I woke up to someone screaming. And I said, who is that screaming? It's me. I'm screaming and I'm pulling my hair on the sanctuary floor. And the whole church is over me. And they're praying over me. And they're laying on their hands over me. And they're sitting there praying to God to release me from this demonic possession or whatever is going on with me, that they they just prayed over me, the, the blood of Jesus Christ. They prayed over me. The Holy Spirit would just, just enter my life. And, 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 and all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, it felt like somebody had laid a veil of peace over me. I felt lighter. I felt happiness. I think for the first time in my life, I actually felt pure joy. And I fell in love with God. I mean, fell in love. And I thought, this is it. It cannot get any better than this. And I have never needed those things again. But here's the thing. And this is where we're going to do part two. Okay? Because this is just the story of how I became a Christian. But in part two, we're going to get into why I will never not be a Christian. Josie, I want to thank you for being my co-host today. Thank you so much. If you wouldn't mind saying saying goodbye to everyone.
1: Bye. It was fun being here and listening to this.
0: <laughs> That's excellent. And I can't wait to have you back with me so that we could do part two of this. And um, just remember, remember to guard your heart above all else for everything you do comes from it. This has been Heart of the Faithful Ministries. Thank you so much for listening. Next time we'll have Josie back with us. And we will continue our series. Stay faithful.